0: Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Let's bow our hearts together in prayer. Lord Jesus, I am asking you that you would speak to us clearly That you would cause your word to be alive. We know that you said that your word is living and it's powerful. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes, our ears to hear, to see, and give us understanding, Holy Spirit. Jesus said you would guide us into all truth and that you would bring all things to our remembrance. Grant that to us today in Jesus' name. May I hear an amen? Amen. amen. But this this entire series has its its base in Second Peter, the whole book of Second Peter. But we're focusing particularly on chapter one through this series. But to really grasp the whole of it, we have to understand. The, the basis of why Peter wrote this second epistle. And he, he, he gives it to us in two locations. The first is found in Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Would you read it together with me, please? Here we are, everyone together. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in present truth. Yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I, I'm wanting you to remember these important points, Peter's saying, and I'm, I'm so it's so important to me that you do That I'm going to leave you something that will be a reminder to you even after I die. Well, that was second epistle of Peter. Actually, you got to take the two epistles together because they're companion volumes. But especially this second epistle is where we're focusing. And there were three things in this second epistle that he was talking to them about. The first was to live the incomparable, what I like to call the incomparable life. That's our whole series is living the incomparable life. That is gonna be so fun and so life-changing. But the second was he was wanting them to know, look, I want you to trust the infallible word of God. Understand that the things I'm saying to you are based upon this Inerrant, infallible truth and then the third was live prepared because Jesus is coming again and that takes us to the second place where he is emphasizing the point of writing this epistle and that's 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1, 2 and 3 let's look at it together let's read it together, would you join me this now beloved the second epistle I'm writing, I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. And I get really insecure. So would you join me? Okay, everyone together, here we go. This is now, beloved, the second epistle I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder that you should remember the words that were spoken previously by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior, spoken through us, the apostles. Know this first, that there shall come scoffers in the last days who walk after their own lusts and say, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were since the beginning of creation." He is really, really concerned about two things. This incomparable life has its root and its foundation in this promise that Jesus Christ is coming again. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Also, that they would not be deceived and removed from the truth that has been given to them by the holy prophets And the writing of the apostles. And in fact. Just a few verses after this. He talks about the writings of the apostle Paul. And he calls them holy scripture. See even at the time of Peter. The writings of the apostle Paul were considered holy scripture. There are people that will tell you. Well the canon was established somewhere around. The, you know in the Council of Nice by the Roman Catholic Church and they left uh, that's baloney. The Greek word for that is balanas. Even at the time the Apostle Peter, the writings of the Apostle Paul were considered holy scripture. The canon was being established even in the first century AD, before Peter was ever martyred. So understand, God wants us to grasp this. But we we have run into a really serious problem today. We don't love truth anymore. We don't love truth. And we were warned of that in Paul's second epistle to the church at Thessalonica. Go with me, would you, to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me read it for you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to begin reading at verse 9. Now, this entire second chapter is about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming of what many people like to call the Antichrist. Scripture never really calls him the Antichrist. He's called the little horn, he's called the beast, he's called the son of perdition here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But because the the common the, the common parlance is the Antichrist, we'll, we'll call him the the Antichrist, and 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 that's kind of the the um, the how he's he's well known. But let's let's look at this passage of scripture and um, uh, begin beginning at verse nine. And I'm sorry, I've been talking and, and haven't got there yet, so would would you would you be patient with me please <laughs> the coming of the lawless one that is the antichrist is according to the working of satan with all powers signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Look at the great concern here. Uh, This should really, really concern you. And yet I think today... In in even in Christian circles, that is kind of well, you know. No, this this should be of deep, deep concern in your heart. Do I love the truth? Am I willing to hear the truth? Am I willing to live by the truth and obey the truth? Why should that be of such great concern to you? Because, dear ones, everything is being rewritten now. There's historical rewrite. There is cultural rewrite. There is the rewrite of what is right, what is wrong? Has anyone besides me noticed that more and more and more what at one time was right and holy is now being called evil and what once was called evil is now being called good? Is anyone besides me noticing that? Shouldn't that cause us great concern? I'm not sure it does. I'm not even sure inside the church it's causing great concern. And and the apostle Paul said, there's going to come a time that the influence of the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of the son of perdition is going to grow and grow and grow. Because they're no longer going to welcome the love of the truth. They're actually going to want to hear and love deception. This is what he wrote to to his spiritual son Timothy when he said in the last days they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and they will teach it for truth. We're living in that day. There, There are people in evangelical pulpits that are preaching doctrines of demons and the seducing spirit is at work even inside church services. If you don't like hearing that, I, I, I'm sad that I'm even having to say it. But if I don't say it, I am leaving you at risk and I'm lying to you. And I refuse to be that kind of a shepherd to you. I insist on telling you truth so that you can be, be warned and protected in this day and this generation. You must fall in love with truth. I mean, just, just this week, it was so portrayed, just this week, a new book was released on Friday about our president. And, uh, and of course, there was a, a lot of hoopla. And, and then it comes out that the publisher admits there's a whole lot of lies in the book. How do they get away with that? Well, the reason is because they know people they don't care if it's the truth or not. They just want to. They just want to read it, and then go. Oh, that's so juicy. Does anyone remember back several years ago when, uh, when President Bush Jr. was in office and uh, and it it came out over the press uh, some stuff about him, and then it was proven. That Brokaw and others had lied. And this was how they responded. Well, it's the seriousness of the charges. But it was a lie. Well, yeah, but it's the seriousness of the charges. It doesn't have to be based on truth. It's just the seriousness of the charges. And that's the whole basis. It doesn't matter if it's truth. It's the seriousness of the charge. We're seeing that continually. We're seeing, and and so history is being rewritten, culture is being rewritten, and, and one of the greatest dangers that you are facing right now is the absolute total lie of the kingdom of darkness and Satan that is being portrayed over and over and over that is setting us up for the last days. In our in in high school, the the textbooks have been rewritten. It, it's being it, the press is continually rewriting it, and it is leaving us believing a lie. And in the believing of that lie, we have opened the floodgates to the powers of darkness to completely conquer. Let me show you what I mean by that. Okay, when when, when I say to you that that the whole foundation of the incomparable life is based upon this promise that Jesus Christ is coming again the reason is because it's based in a covenant Jesus talked about that. In fact, we looked at that in detail last week in John chapter 14, the passage of Scripture that Pastor Darcy read to us this morning. When Jesus said, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. In the the Hebrew culture, they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. He was describing to them The manner in which a Hebrew wedding took place. And Jesus was saying, everything I say to you now that we have recorded in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. All of that, if you have a red letter Bible, all that's going to be in red. Because it's the words of Jesus. And Jesus was saying, everything I'm about to say to you is based and rooted in the fact that I have made a covenant with you. Therefore, we are married It's a marriage covenant. It's unbreakable. It goes all the way back when, and, and when you take the marriage covenant, and you go all the way back to the covenant that God made with Abraham. Let me show you. So, so God says, "I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abraham." And and here's what I want you to know: How many stars do you see in the sky? That's how many your children will be. And I want you to know that your son is the son of promise, and he's the son of covenant. And that was a prophetic promise about the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming, the seed of woman, right? And he says, I'm making a covenant with you. What did he do? He says, get the sacrifice together. Now, Abraham, you sit down and you watch. So Abraham got the, got the sacrifice all prepared. He sat down and he saw God in a vision come and walk among the sacrifice. How many remember this story in the book of Genesis? Okay. And, and what, what happens is God comes and walks among the sacrifice. As God is there, he makes, he makes, his, his, and his, makes his vow of intention. This is what I intend to do. Abraham. And he tells them, this is what I intend to do. Then after he does that, he walks among the sacrifice and he consumes the sacrifice. Then he makes his vow. This is my vow. After he makes his vow, he seals that vow with a token of his covenant that Abraham would have forever. Circumcision, right? Now watch. So when the marriage ceremony happens, what happens is the groom's parents sit on this side, right, him and his parents and, and all of his attendants and family. They're on this side, over here is the bride's uh, family and her attendants and, and all of her friends and family, right, over here on this side. And then what happens? The bride and the groom come and stand in the middle of the sacrifice. These two families are making a sacrifice. They're giving away flesh of their flesh and bone of their bone. And they stand in the middle of the sacrifice. And what happens first? They make their vow of intention. Do you intend to marry this woman? Yes, I do. you intend to marry this man? Yes, I do. Then they come up and then they face one another and they give their vows of covenant. And after they give their vows of covenant, what do they do? They give their token of covenant, the ring. And after they've given their token of covenant, the ring, they are pronounced man and wife. They become together one flesh. They have made a covenant. And that covenant was portrayed for us by the covenant God made with Abraham. And the Lord Jesus Christ took that same pattern of covenant and said, I am in covenant with you. And I want you to know because I'm in covenant with you, I am coming again to receive you to the eternal kingdom. Right now you live in the invisible kingdom. But there's coming a time you're going to live in the visible kingdom, the eternal kingdom and it's all based in this covenant that I've made with you. Amen? And then and 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 what what do we have in 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 Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave us two parables and then he gave us an actual event that's going to happen in the eternal kingdom. The two parables were one based on the marriage ceremony and he said but you got to watch and be ready because you don't know the day or hour I'm coming so watch and be ready literally watch is meaning stay awake, stay alert because you don't know when I'm coming the church is sleeping today the church is asleep what Keith Green used to sing about it's asleep in the light sleeping it's time to wake up live alert because we don't know the day or hour is coming. Second thing he talked about was the fact that, that, you know what? Here, in this invisible kingdom, you are given responsibility according to your ability with accountability. And everything that you do now in the invisible kingdom, everything you do now in the invisible kingdom has bearing on what you're going to be doing in the eternal kingdom that's coming. So, if you're just coming to church and having church and worshiping on Sunday and then going home and sometimes read the Bible, don't be surprised when you get to the eternal kingdom if you don't have much. Mm. Amen. It's time, church, to wake up and realize everything in the eternal kingdom is rooted in what you're doing right now in the invisible kingdom. It's all based here. You don't do works to get to heaven, you're going to heaven. You do works now because you're in the invisible kingdom now. And when you get to the visible kingdom, you want to have a whole lot to do for the king and his glory in his kingdom. Yes. And then the, 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 the actual event that's going to take place is this. And, and when, when the Lord comes and all of his holy angels and his church with him, he's going to call all the nations. He's going to judge the nations. And you know what's going to happen when he judges the nations? You and I are going to be given power and authority over those nations. We're going to rule nations. If you've been faithful in the invisible kingdom. Those of you that your big thing for God in the invisible kingdom is I get to church on Sunday, um you won't rule nations. You'll have other things to do, but you won't rule nations. Because Jesus told us the rewards are going to be based on your faithfulness. And this is, this is the whole, remember I told you last week I was going to show you the list? Go ahead and go to that list for me. It's in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. I think it's the next slide maybe. Yep, there it is. Look, look at this. This is the list of the rewards. This is amazing, isn't it? Look at this. Revelation 2, we're going to eat from the tree of life in the middle of paradise. Two, ten, and 11, we're going to get a crown of life. That, that also is in James 1. Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he's tried, he will receive the crown of life. Look at that. By the way, if, if you're not doing anything to be tried, I won't go there. Okay, there we go. And, and, and the second death won't have hurt on you. What's the second death? The second death is this, that people die now and, and, and if they don't know Jesus, they go to hell. But then in the end, they're going to come before the great white throne of Almighty God and their name is not going to be in the book of life. And because their name is not in the book of life, God's going to turn to the books of their life and read to them everything that they did and all the opportunities they had to receive Jesus Christ and serve Him and how they rejected Him. And then they're going to be sent to the lake of fire where they will spend eternity forever and ever and ever, no annihilation, eternity in the lake of fire. That's the second death. But for... Us who are faithful to the Lord, no second death. Hallelujah. Amen. Here we go. 17, the hidden manna to eat. They're going to have a white stone with a new name on it. That's a really cool thing. we we'll have time to go into all of these. Authority over nations. And, and we're going to get the morning star. Boy, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited about it. White garments. Our name's not going to be blotted out of the book of life. By the way, if your name's not blotted out of the book of life, what's the antithesis of that? It can be blotted out. Mm, yeah. mm, come on. Now, that might have something to do with all those people who think, well, you know, it doesn't matter how we live. You know, I asked Jesus in my heart. I oh, might want to rethink that one. Yeah. Okay. Because it does matter how you live. Because I don't have time to do this, but I could take you to the scriptures that tells you your name can be blotted out of the book of life. Just a little thought you might want to think about right there. Jesus will confess your name before Father and His Angels. This is exciting because what's gonna happen is exactly like you know when 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 I do the wedding ceremony and then I turn and I say to them, It's my pleasure to introduce you, Mr. and Mrs. and I and I pronounce their name. And Jesus Christ is gonna pronounce us before the Father and his angels. Hallelujah. Isn't That exciting! Wow. No one takes your crown. Yay! What is it? It's a crown of righteousness. Paul said, now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You want your crown of righteousness. You're going to be made a pillar in the temple of God, and you'll never go out of the temple again. And the name of God, and the name of the city of our God, and Jesus Christ's new name is all going to be written on you. I like what Dr. Jack Caford said one time when he was preaching from this passage. He said, look at that. I'm going to have written on me the name of God, the name of the city of our God, in Jesus' new name. That means I can't get lost in the mail. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Okay, anyway, here we go. And I'm going to sit with Jesus in his throne as he sits with his father in his throne. And then all of you that are pastors and shepherds, I want to give you a wonderful promise in 1 Peter 5, 4. You're going to receive a crown of glory when you're a faithful shepherd to almighty God. Man, don't you want to give God a praise? Come on, give him a praise. You don't want to miss this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about that we're going to kneel before the bema of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, not to determine whether we're going to go to heaven. That's determined because we've been born again. But to be judged for the rewards that we're going to receive. And I'm kind of weird. I want all of them. I don't want to miss any of them. But the greatest reward of all. David, the greatest reward of all. I want to hear. I want to hear from the lips of my Lord and Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to finish strong. And you do too. You don't know the day or hour. Today could be your last day. And after that, everything that you've done is measured up. No more adding to it. You don't know the day or hour. So I'm saying to you this morning, if you don't have very much laid up, you might want to deal with that in your heart and ask yourself, why am I so passive about working in the kingdom of God? Why am I so passive about sharing my faith? Why am I so passive about working in, in the church that I go to and I'm fed at? Why am I so passive about doing something for the kingdom of almighty God? Why am I passive about that? Lord, deal with my heart. It's time to stop being passive about that. I need to go to work in the kingdom. And every one of us, every single day, have opportunities to do something for the kingdom. Every day, we have opportunity to do something for the kingdom. Every one of us, right now, this morning, we know somebody that could use a thank you note or a note of encouragement. Well, send them a text, send them an email. Write something and pop it in the mail tomorrow. Do something. Every one of us knows someone that that they they need the gospel. They need someone that will love them enough to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you can't think of anything else to do, call the office tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I want to do something for the kingdom. What is needed most? We'll get you plugged in. We'll get you plugged in. And, and listen, it's, it's okay to come and do that. And, and, and you work at it for a couple of three months and come back and go, you know what? I don't think that's my thing. Okay, let's try another thing. But let's do something. That's right. that's let's right. do something. That's right. Do something. If we don't need you anywhere else, ViTender needs you on the Connect team. And it's not a big deal. All you got to do is hand out things and smile at people and love on them and open the door for them. No big deal right there. Right? Come on. All of us can do that. Smile. Open the door. Hand them up and say, boy, it's good to see you today. Right? I mean, that's, we can all do that. I'll get, I'll I'll go, I'll, I'll move on. Here's here's my greatest concern. Go with me to Matthew chapter 24. Would you please? Matthew chapter 24. The disciples came to Jesus Christ and asked him, you know, my my watch is running slow I think. What, what time is it? 935. 9.35. Okay, cool. We got 2 hours yet. <laughs> The disciples came to Jesus and asked him. When will these things be? And what are the signs of thy coming and the end of the age? And so Jesus took the entire, what we know as Matthew chapter 24, to teach them. And and he he pressed them into, into four sets of signs. I'm most concerned about the first three. In verses four to eight, he talks about these signs and he says, These are the beginnings, the end is not yet. And that's where people focus. And that's where I think we so often get people saying, well, you know, everything's the same. Nothing's changed. It's all the same. Well, the reason is because these things have been going on for forever. But yeah, I know. They have been. Yeah. That's why Jesus said these are the beginning. But here's what most people miss. When he says these are the beginning of sorrows, in the Greek, it literally says these are the labor pains of Sorrows. Well, we all know how labor pains work, especially the ladies here in the room. We know how labor pains work, right? They start and they get closer together and more intense and closer together and more intense and closer together and more intense and closer together and more intense. intense Until finally they are one on top of another and you go into full labor, right? And the baby is born. And that's what Jesus is saying. Because what you're going to see is as we get near the end, these things are going to be happening more often, more intense. And man, is that ever true. Yeah. And if we looked at it honestly, we would know that. I actually did a study one time of of natural disasters and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. And, and, and I went back as far, when they began to, to begin keeping record of them, until in the second millennium and it's amazing how it's changed and how many more. I mean, I mean exponentially more now and of greater intensity. The, the really big ones, the over five, the six, seven and eight category earthquakes are happening so much more often. It's amazing, but that's just the beginning. That's that's okay. Okay. So now we know, we're okay. It started, but then the next category, nine to fourteen, verses nine to fourteen, he he says, he says this. He said, "He that endures to the end will be saved," and he says, "Then the end will come." Well, what's that all about? There's gonna there's there, there's there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be persecution. Now here's the interesting thing. When I talk about false teachers, I think people start start looking for false religions, you know, like sun young moon or or something like that. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. When, when when you look at it in its context, the false teachers are inside the church. going to come false teachers inside the church. How do we know that? Because he says they're they're going to lead people astray. If you're out there believing a false religion, you can't be led astray. You have have to have already been in the truth to be able to be led astray. Are you tracking with me? And folks, I, I am absolutely shocked at how many people today inside the church of Jesus Christ are wanting to say that, that that Mormons and Muslims, well you know, we all worship the same God. Are you kidding me? No we don't. Not even close. But what even causes me greater concern is how many are inside the church of Jesus Christ today that are teaching universal salvation, that are, that are teaching against the belief in hell, that are, that are teaching other false doctrines, and they're inside the gospel-preaching, evangelical, Pentecostal pulpits. And we're in trouble yes. if we don't love the truth. Yes. We've got to love the truth. And then he says this, he says, and the love of many, because iniquity will abound, because lawlessness will abound. Man, have, have, has anybody besides me noticed how absolutely crazy lawless we are today? Just, just lawless. I don't care what the law says. I, and it, it, it's, it's throughout. There's just the spirit of Lawlessness. I mean, how else can you explain cities and states that are saying to the government, I don't care what the law is, we're going to let illegals live here and vote and do all that. Wait a minute. But that that violates the law. I don't care. How else can you explain Washington DC knowing knowingly doing things that violate the constitution well i don't care i don't care lawlessness spirit of lawlessness i see it inside the church i i know what the bible says but i'm going to do this anyway but the bible says i don't care pastor david i sat with one one time and 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 we we said well but do you understand that what you're talking about violates scripture? Remember this conversation? He said, yeah. And so we went over it with him. We we went to the scriptures, went over it with him. And he says, I know what it says. So I'm going to do this anyway. Okay. What do you say to that? All you can say is, okay, that's not going to work for you, but okay. Okay. Folks, listen, you can't, the, the spirit of lawlessness and this is what he's talking about here the spirit of lawlessness is going to absolutely abound. But along with that, there's going to come this crazy persecution. It's going to be insane level of persecution against Christians. Christians will be hated at a level that is just borders on insanity. And we're seeing that around the world. Let me just, let me give to you some numbers. In the, in, in, in the two decades, from 1973 to 1993, in the nation of Sudan alone, two million Christians were martyred. In the first quarter of 2017, January, February, March of 2017, over 1,200, just under 1,300 Christians were martyred around the world. Just that one quarter. I I think we we the the news and and, and the, the videos that we see of people being beheaded we we're. we're we're becoming calloused. Yeah, that's right. And, and we're, we're failing to recognize the majority of those that you see on your television who are literally losing their head. Those are Christians. Inside our own nation. One presidential candidate declared it's time the church needs to change. And the change that she was talking about was embracing abortion and refusing to take the stand for moral purity and moral right and the sanctity of the marriage between a man and a woman. And if not, the church would have to suffer the consequences. And we are seeing that across our nation. Across our nation is this growing hatred against Christians because we insist on standing for moral right and moral purity and the fact that there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong. And we refuse to accept moral relativity. And we will not stand for the rewriting of right and wrong. And we will not call wrong right, and we will not call right wrong. We will stand for truth. We love the truth. And when we stand for truth, we're going to be hated. And persecution is on the rise against the church in America. Has anyone besides me noticed there seems to be more and more people going inside the church building and shooting people? Has anybody besides me noticed that? Have you fallen asleep? Do you, you don't want to hear this? Oh, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll tell you. Oh, you know what? God loves you so much. You're, 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 you're all going to go to heaven. Just doesn't matter how you live. Just go ahead and live immorally. Just go ahead and sleep with everybody. And go ahead and stay drunk. And just live however you want to live. Because God loves you so much, you're going to go to heaven. Okay, you can go home now. No. What do you mean, no? You want, the truth. You want to hear the truth? Yes. Well, then act like it. I'm telling you, inside America, they're going inside churches and they're shooting and killing people just as they are in Pakistan, just as they are in Egypt. This is new. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, while this is going on, the gospel is going to go to all the world and will be preached in all nations. Hold on to your hat. In 2011, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association released the newest figures. They said within 10 at the very most 15 years, every people group in the world will have heard the gospel and will have at least a portion of the Holy Scriptures in their language. I want to remind you, dear ones, that was merely seven years ago because it was in March of 2011. Seven years ago. Look how close we are. Folks, this has never been in history. Those of you that say, well, nothing's changed. Oh, yeah, it has. I'm just telling you things that have changed. Okay, I'll wrap this up. I, I, I got a whole lot more there. We're going to come back next week. We'll pick up. Because we got to talk about the lie of Islam. You, know, you hear over and over and over and over. Muslim is a peaceful religion. That is an absolute fabrication. I'm going I'm to give you the history. You're going to see it's a total fabrication. In fact, you're going to see that it is Satan's kingdom. And scripture makes it very, very clear. It will be an Arab that will be what we call the parlance, the antichrist. That's clear in scripture. Over and over again, it calls him the Syrian It's interesting. We're gonna, we're gonna look at more detail of the of the historical rewrite regarding the church. And and the reason this is important to you is because, dear ones, you will never live the incomparable life if you don't love truth. And in this era. Of lies and deception and fabrication. That you stand like an absolute solid person building your life on truth. And I will not let lies stand in my life. Jesus said it this way. Would you stand with me please? Jesus said it this way. There was a man who built a house and he built the house on the sand and there was a man who built the house and he built the house on a rock and when the storm came the winds blew and the rains beat down the house that was built on the sand fell and crumbled but the house that was built on the rock stood solid Stood solemn. And then he said this. The one who builds this house on the sand is the man who hears my words but does not do them. But the man who built this house on the rock is the man who hears my words and does them.